Hello and welcome to Monocle on Culture, I'm Robert Bound. This week we're celebrating a brand new generation of artists over London's Saatchi Gallery. London Grads Now 21 is an exhibition showcasing the best work of this year's art graduates from across the capital schools. Goldsmiths, Central St Martins, Camberwell, Chelsea, Kingston, the Slade School of Art and the Royal College of Art. It's the second iteration of this multi-school exhibition which was conceived last year after degree shows were cancelled due to the pandemic. But it's a very welcome addition to the London art schedule and one symptom of the past 18 months that we hope will remain. It's a very timely and generous show too, featuring over 200 works across nine rooms, and today I'm going to meet some of the artists and curators behind it. But first, here are the Saatchi Gallery's Head of Communications, Georgina Greenslade, to tell us a bit more about it, followed by one of the show's curators, Juan Bolivar. It's been an incredible project to work on. We have, you know, over 250 students, so many artworks. We've got seven different schools from across London. And for us, it is, like you said, hugely important for us to do this show. You know, there's been art cuts and art funding. And for us, you know, we pledge to support artists and the future of tomorrow. And this just is a show which we're so fortunate to be able to kind of put together and offer our spaces as a charity to the students of London. Charles Sarch was collecting from student shows when he was still had the, the agency. What about now as a sort of purely as a, as a gallery? What's your sort of stance on, on graduates? Uh, hugely so. I mean, we are, of course, inspired by Charles's incredible legacy. And keeping that at the forefront of this show was really important. One of the first things that when it was initially conceived from the first pandemic, this is the second iteration. And, you know, one of the main things we all discussed was the fact we wanted the students to curate the shows. And that was hugely important. So for each space, they've been curated by the students. And um, we didn't want to play a part in, you know, selecting the works and stuff. We really wanted them to embrace and take over and have their chance to say and speak in our platform, which is what we've always done and what we really hope to continue to do and when do those sort of conversations sort of start happening with you guys because yeah it's amazing it's like we've got this huge amazing space bang in the middle of London we want to we want to host you guys what sort of conversations are you having with the with the students with the curators with the with the art schools themselves like when do those start so last year's 2020, um, you know, obviously we're in the pandemic. Had a little bit of a different vibe. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it was actually, you know, obviously a lot more daunting. How, do we, how are we going to bring this many artists together? You know, it was a huge project to kind of take on. But I think as well, everyone, you know, not just us, everyone across London, you know, in the spirit of a challenge. And we wanted to bring these schools together. We had our spaces and, we, you know, we realised how tough this must be. You know, they've been stripped of their graduate shows. They've not had the chances that other people have had to sort of shout about their work and show it to a new audience and this has kind of been the perfect sort of okay no we're you know we're not letting the pandemic take anything else from us we will give these students the chance that they've you know that they missed out on and again this year it's been equally as tough and it's just fantastic to see some you know happy spaces yeah. and yeah. happy people in the in the spaces so it's just yeah it's amazing My name is Juan Bolivar, I'm an artist, uh, lecturer and uh, curator and I've curated the rooms at the Saatchi Gallery Exhibition for Camberwell and Chelsea. And isn't it nice to be back in the open air looking at things in real life and looking at sort of the, uh, London's burgeoning art talent? What are the themes other than people wanting presumably to bust out and get their stuff in front of the public and in front of viewers here at the Saatchi? 
It's a good point that you make there because I was aware of trying to define like a distinct identity or voice for each room, for each college. And I guess the one in Camberwell feels a lot more relational, feels very much to do with sort of social interaction, coming together, tactility, things that are slightly messy looking in a funny way. It feels a little bit like the sort of kitchen at a party where it's all kind of, you know, people talking over each other, etc. And the room in Chelsea that we've just been into feels slightly more expansive, almost like the great outdoors, a sort of sense of ambition, sense of kind of like internationalism and sort of museum exhibition. Yeah, there's a, there's a real ebullience to this room and the corner we're in. It's a really nice hang, the way that the more kind of, uh, I suppose, the sort of you know, mobile pieces and the, mm. and the pieces that are escaping their, their, yeah. their canvases, as it were, yeah. are kind of busting off and the walls unruly. here. Yeah. yeah, there's something unruly, which I think is something in the best possible sense that I would describe Camberwell as. It's, it's a very much, uh, there's, there's a certain energy about Camberwell uh, I've taught in several places, not just in London, but, but abroad. And I'm always, I always return to the kind of hustle and bustle of the sort of energy at Camberwell, which we wanted to in some ways communicate that through the slightly, uh, you know, spillover of works, you know, things that, in a sense, you know, they're all lined up. You know, there's a, there's a nightline for this for the show, but actually there are also things that are touching the floor. There are things that are extending right up to the ceiling. So it's almost like this sense that it can't be contained, you know. And Juan, at what point did you start interacting with the students and picking individual works and artists for this Saatchi show? Yeah, well, normally I teach in the undergraduates in the BA painting department at Camberwell. And these are students from the MA, so some of them I've only met recently, perhaps in the last two or three months. I worked with some of them in a previous exhibition, almost as a warm-up to this. But it's amazing how in a very short period of time you feel like you've known them forever. And it's been great being able to form like a kind of dialogue and sort of professional relationship with some of them and sort of see their work evolve in this last period of the education. And uh, yeah, and it's, it's, it's a great kind of privilege and a great honour to be able to work with them at such a sort of special moments in their careers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it must be amazing. I mean, there's a really lovely energy in these rooms here today. And again, that sense of being out and about and showing your stuff in public is, I'm sure it's a, it's a big boon to the artists. When you were discussing with them what works they're going to put into this show, what were you leaning towards? Did you have to push people to a certain, these artists to, to show a certain type of thing? Because these are big yes. rooms after all. Yes. Uh, well, you, you want to keep a balance with some people. You know, you always have a choice of what you can choose from somebody's practice. For example, Kushiro, I mean, he makes a bunch of like other paintings, but I, I just thought, no, let's just get a small portrait that is indicative of his work, but then equally with Constanza, that, whose work was standing here behind. Initially, the submission for, for the exhibition was a smaller print, but I felt that this really needed to be like this big, kind of in-your-face sort of feast, you know, that uh, would be like the backdrop of the uh, exhibition. So, to a certain extent, some of the decisions were, were dictated by the fact that you, you, know, you want to choose the best work, but at the same time, it's a little bit like you're a little bit like a sort of movie director and you're trying to work out what scene do you create or, you know, what kind of emphasis do you give to that movie? Hence, some works, you know, are smaller to create like an accent, like Heidi's work in the corner. It just creates this little lovely accent. But then it's off balance by Victoria's work here in the corner, which is like, it's almost like something out of Stranger Things, like emanating out of the wall. So, you, you know, you, you want to keep like, a, I guess, like a variety of tempos and rhythms and things like that, yeah. And I mean, the, the gallery itself, obviously, the sort of august history of 
being very interested in students' work, buying students' work, promoting the work of students. Charles Sartre is a great collector. This feels like it's, it's kind of in line with that desire and that kind of curatorial prowess as well. Where are we at with kind of the health and sort of mental well-being of art students in 2021? Right? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, they've been through a lot. I mean, they've been amazing, I think, the last past two years. Uh, have been an incredible test for artist resilience. I mean, it's bad enough sometimes to like just trying to make your work as an artist, especially in London, which is a very expensive city. Never mind dealing with like sort of social isolation and restrictions and lack of interaction, which is like a key thing for artists. You know, you need to be with other artists. You need to be in the presence of other work. So really, they you know they kind of like been amazing just at the way in which they've kind of come through all this. And I would say that in terms of like where they are, in, in the way that you ask, they're in a much better place now than they were two years ago. We we're kind of, I think, a little bit concerned two years ago when it all began. In fact, I curated also the rooms here last year and the atmosphere was very different. It felt a little bit like sort of um, some kind of post-apocalyptic movie. <laughs> and now it feels like we're kind of slowly returning back to some sort of semblance of you know, what it's like to be out in the world. Now let's hear from some of the graduates themselves. First up is Tom White, a graduate from Camberwell College of Art, who I meet next to his painting titled Lucky Red, which depicts a young woman sitting on a sofa wearing a red bracelet. What's the scene? How how collegiate does it feel, particularly at the moment when you guys are all kind of busting out and have the opportunity here at Saatchi to to be able to show your work to to the public? Uh, Well, it's, it's brilliant. I mean... It's been such a strange year to be studying across anything and for us all to be able to come together in this way and show such divergent work, so many different practices, so many different themes and ideas, but to have them all sort of come together coherently and cohesively is amazing. Um, And I think everyone is each other's biggest cheerleader, so it's wicked to have everyone together for it. Yeah, it's nice seeing you and your, um, your kind of fellow students kind of (laughs) <laughs> you're doing interviews, you're doing photo shoots, you're doing the sort of beauty pageant part of it today, aren't you? <laughs> but you've got, there's a nice vibe amongst everyone. Everyone's yeah. kind of got their arms around each other and just swapping notes on stuff. It feels like, a, yeah, it feels like a sort of lifting the lid on the school. A bit. Yeah. Secretly competitive. But, of course. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, definitely. It, it is, we're all um, preparing how to pose and what to say and all the buzzwords that we need, so. <laughs> um, so standing in front of Lucky Red, this is a beautiful figurative work portrait i suppose talk us through it such beautiful detail here and sort of i would say very confident brush strokes but that's enough of my yakking tom (laughs) thank you well thank you for the kind words portraiture is a word that i don't tend to use because it carries a sort of bourgeois like traditional sense so there's a great alice neal quote about saying she does paintings of people rather than portraits so i really like that because i think Painting people is what is so important to me. I'm fascinated by people and always have been. Um, sort of person that when you go on holiday, I'll be sat in a square watching people watching for hours and hours and on end. Are you sketching all the time? Are you kind of never without a sketchbook or do you hold it in your memory when you're out and about? It's, a, it's more memory, to be honest. I'm actually, weirdly, I don't sketch enough. It's one of my greatest failures as an artist, I think. But I, I paint from my own photographs. Take your time yet, Tom. It's fine. <laughs> I paint from my own photographs, so I'm t- always taking pictures. And I'm very fortunate that so many of my friends are willing to sit for me 
And, I, you know, we spend like a couple of hours doing all these photos. And then I go home and edit them to death and sort of paint them in the way they want to paint them. This one was actually the first work that I created immediately after we finished the Masters, sort of in inverted commas. So it felt like my first sort of professional painting. So it's actually a really meaningful one. And it was painted during a time in, of like uncertainty and difficulty in both myself and the sitter's life. Just coming out into like new beginnings and everything. And I think I'd just been quite unwell as well for about a month or so. So it's, yeah, it, it felt like quite a significant moment. And the whole Lucky Red is based upon a Lucky Red bracelet that she always wears. So I don't know, it's, she, she looks quite somber and quite thoughtful and still, but there's a sort of a restlessness and preparation for something as well. I think there's that little bit of hope in the red bracelet that we all need at the moment. Yeah, it's very intimate. It's a very intimate painting. Not a portrait, but a very intimate <laughs> painting of a person. Thank you, Alice Neil. And we won't pry into the circumstances under which it was painted, but do you need kind of privacy? It's an intimate m- moment with the sitter, yeah. but... Do you need sort of privacy when you're painting? Because if you're working from photographs, you can do that at home in your studio. You're not doing this thing in public. Yeah, I think I do need privacy. I think I only paint people that I know because I think sort of the emotionality that I I can conjure their presence. So I don't necessarily need them directly there. And it just gives me more freedom. Again, quoting another artist who I admire greatly, there's a Francis Bacon thing about he doesn't want the sitters to experience the violence that he imparts on them when he paints them and although mine's not a violent thing you know it's quite it is a very private and very sort of meditative creation process so I don't think having the person there I think it can only be distracting and it's not that I haven't worked from life I have worked from life as well but I just find it distracting maybe I'm too interested in the person and then the painting sort of falls by the wayside so when I haven't got them physically there I can concentrate on recreating their presence painting portraits when when you're in front of the sitter that's a very intimate yeah. thing somehow right you yeah. need that might be something that happens later who knows but it it's going great shakes working for the from the photographs <laughs> what about your working life tom it's lovely to to see the first painting you you made after you graduated kind of yeah. thing the first as a professional artist where do you paint where's the best place you've got your studio are you at home how does it work i've got a bizarre studio situation where it's actually on fenchurch street so by the walkie-talkie tower and the gherkin. So I'm surrounded by bankers. Um, my building actually, there's only one floor which just has like a collection of studios with this company called VO Curations who are really wonderful and take over Dishy's office spaces. But you'll see me stumbling around covered in paint and people in their three-piece suits taking about five steps to the side in the hallway not so that they don't get any splatters on them. So, But it's a very weird and wonderful place to have a studio because the pace of life is so different that actually there's something quite calming about it because they're all rushing around heading to prep, running back to their desks. And if you sort of take a break and walk around at lunchtime, it's strangely calming to be surrounded by so much chaos. But yeah, that, I, do, I do all of my work in that studio, which I share with another artist. So yeah. it's, yeah. It's and is that an important sort of, the, the, the studio itself as a sort of place of creation, is that important? Can you, could you do it anywhere? Do you have to, do you kind of enter that room and become someone slightly different in order to do your work it's a safety blanket it definitely is i think anyone that says it isn't is lying because i just just got back from a residency in france with a gallery called blue shop cottage and i didn't expect it to be as hard as it was to work in a completely different environment we were on this french farm and suddenly i was like thrown out of my comfort zone and what i'd known for the last year or two of working in this similar space and having similar lighting was really difficult to adjust to Mm. And people obviously want to come and, and see your work um, here at the Saatchi. What are you working on at the moment? Can you tell us that? Are, you kind of, are there many sort of half-finished canvases in Fenchurch Street? Always. Always half-finished canvases. Uh, is a painting ever really finished? No, I've, I'm working on some things for a few shows. 
one of which is in January with VO Curations and then one hopefully later in spring with Blue Shop Cottage who is sort of a post-residency show where they're giving us time afterwards to recreate works that we did at smaller on a larger scale and yeah some more various things that I can't talk about but there's a lot going on so hopefully there should be more opportunities as well as Saatchi to see yeah. what I'm up to Nice one Well Tom thanks for talking us through Lucky Red and all the rest of it Thank you Thank you very much In the next room is work by students from Chelsea College of Arts. Here I meet Dutch artist Rosalie Varmes for a moment of contemplation in between two conical terracotta speakers playing music that she composed. The installation is called There Will Be Time and she tells us more. So standing between two pieces so two clay trumpets things speakers yeah. cornets maybe what would you describe them as what in what sort of world are we we're kind of in a world of whale song almost yeah i would describe them as amplifiers of softness mm. maybe warm feeling a sound that can carry you i made some ceramic flutes and then i recorded them and that is the sound you hear amplified through the objects now. So let's have a little listen. Well, it's a really beautiful, what a lovely place to stand in between these two, these two pieces. It's a very sort of contemplative kind of sound what were you did you know what sort of sound you were going to get from these ceramic flutes when you made them yes because I heard the flute like this and it touched me so much and then I want because I come from a background of music actually and my parents are musicians so I wanted to make flute like this <laughs> and then while making this installation I went a lot back to my memories as a young child, more sort of searching where does it come from, this contemplative feeling. And I went back to a few memories I had when I was sitting in the church. And my mom, she plays the organ, so she would practice and I would just then wait for her to practice. And then the light would hit in a certain way inside the space. And it's from all these memories or my grandfather very weirdly built like a Sarah, I don't know if that's English word, but like a, a garden with a little pond. Oh, lovely. It's, yeah, inside his house. So you would always, and he had some fish, and then we would just sit there. And it's also a moment where I described it as sort of very deep time. So there's not really a future or a history, but it's all just there a constant sort of depthless present is what we're, where we're at somehow yeah yeah I yeah. think so yeah it's wonderful it's a really uh, yeah it's an un unusual uncanny feeling it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful wonderful work I wanted to ask you um, Rosalie what it's like exhibiting now in public it's great to be chosen for this this Saatchi show I suppose and it must be wonderful to be out and about yeah. and this work obviously needs 
view, I suppose, interaction with the people that see it. It needs to be experienced, I suppose. How do you test this out in your studio, for example? How do you test this out on people? Because it works here because you've got lots of space. How do you know when, this, when a work like this will be a success, I suppose, when you're planning it? Uh, I'm a very much a control freak, <laughs> so <laughs> when I showed this, this is actually my graduation piece. So when I showed it, I had a room fully of my own and I really made a different entrance and I made all like handmade louvers, I think you call them, like blinds on the windows so I could control the light a bit better. So it was very much the closed off space. So I'm really excited now to see it in a how it works in the group exhibition with the other works. Tell us about the physical, the making of these these yeah. things, because that they have a kind of slightly rustic charm to them, but they're obviously quite precise to get the right sound out of them, right? I didn't test a lot of different shapes how the sound would come out. Obviously, because the flutes, I worked a lot on that because that was quite hard to make sounds but what you see is a, the big cones how do you call them they are terracotta so I made them with clay and then I let it dry and then I polished them with a very shiny stone so you can actually see it in the works well you can only you see some traces of this and it's called the burnishing technique. So it's super ancient before they found out glazing. So that's how you make the object shiny. And then I fired it to 1200 degrees. So it gets a really dark, dark color. And it more becomes like a glass object. Where you can hear it. And then I made these metal stands, but I wanted also to show them a little bit more old and ancient and I worked on it so that they became more rusty such lovely work and what about this little the yeah, little his little, little sister or whatever in the corner it's my little caterpillar <laughs> so what you see is a more organically shaped to terracotta objects as well that sort of slide into each other or slit in I don't know this is how I started with the cones I wanted actually to make a huge one and have all different separate pieces for it but then through the making I really liked them they became almost like an animal or I don't know how you see them they're very organic and they're very they're quite benign you know they're friendly shapes do these uh, little guys have a name no. How would you call them? <laughs> I think my caterpillar yeah. works kind of well. Yeah. because Caterpillars turn into butterflies too, so yeah. it doesn't just stay being one thing. That's true. That's true. I didn't came up with the caterpillar, but people started just using this, like, oh, can we show your caterpillar as well? And I'm like, yeah, it's my cater little caterpillar. <laughs> Should we have one little last moment of contemplation uh, over here with these, with these sounds? Rosalie, thank you very much uh, for talking us through it. Congratulations. Thank you.
That was Rosalie Varmez. And before that, you heard from Tom White. Both artists are currently exhibiting at London Grads Now 21, which is on at the Saatchi Gallery until the 16th of January. And tickets are available to buy now, and it is well, well worth a visit. This episode of Monocle on Culture was, of course, produced by Holly Fisher. We'll be back at the same time next week. But until then, from me, Robert Bounds, thanks for tuning in. Thank you.